The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Barron's Live. I'm Becky Strom, Managing Editor at Mansion Global, and I'm joined by Lisa Schwart, designer and founder of Innate Studio based in Connecticut. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, thanks, Becky, for having me. Before we get started, a reminder to our audience to ask questions at any point, and we'll try to get to as many as possible toward the end of the show. Um, to preface our conversation, Lisa's home renovation in Pelham, New York, was the subject of our inaugural Rebuilds and Renos column, which we launched, launched last week. Uh, the column is hoping to seize on a topic that might be top of mind for people looking to enhance their own home at a time when issues of affordability are a big concern. Um, and making it so hard for people to move right now. Uh, Lisa's story also provides some great anecdotes about the pains of remodeling during the early days of the pandemic shutdowns. Um, but unlike many, Lisa, you had the advantage of experience when you started the renovation in Pelham. Uh, tell us about your professional background and how many homes you'd done before this one. Sure. So I had a little bit of an unusual entree into the world of architecture and design. Um, I actually studied psychology and studio art in college, thinking I was going to be a psychologist, something that um, has actually become very useful, especially in my own uh, private, uh, private practice. Um, after a few internships, I realized that was not my passion. I had a family friend who was an architect, did an internship at a design build firm, and the rest is history. Um, when I was in grad school in Philly, I purchased my first condo, which was my first uh, remodel. It was basically a full gut. Um, I learned a lot there. Um, thankfully, the scale of it was small enough that it wasn't too overwhelming, um, but it definitely got, it, I got bit by the bug. Um, and right. from then on out, I basically was always uh, always looking for something that, that had potential that I could put my, my mark on. Um, after grad school, I went to work for Shop Architects, uh, which is a very design-focused architecture firm in New York City. Yeah. Uh, I started there at a time when they were uh, very much on the rise mm -hmm. um, and had an opportunity to work on some really incredible projects um, of all typologies and scales all over New York City, um, all over the U.S. and Australia. Um, I was there for about 10 plus years, um, which was really exciting, got to be a junior partner um, and then in 2018, I decided to move to Douglas Elliman. Um, I think probably pretty well-known brokerage with this group. Uh, <laughs> um, and I led their, they have an internal design team as part of their development marketing division that uh, consults on um, basically their full luxury residential portfolio um, and gives guidance to their developer partners, um, which was immensely, interesting uh, we covered so much ground got to collaborate with so many incredible architects and designers um the pandemic hit right. uh, at the time <laughs> at the time i was when i found this home and i'll get into to the yeah. details of that in a little bit i was with de um and uh you know it was it was i was very much in the residential uh real estate space my mind was very much there 
this home was a really exciting opportunity. Prior to it, to answer your question, um, I think I'd done, I'd done like five of my own personal homes before this home. Um, again, basically full reno full gut renovations. Um, but then also my friends and family, you know, saw what I was doing. And so I would also have a whole, I had a whole side side deal going, um, helping them as well. So I can't even count how many, how many renovation projects I did uh, during that time, you know, working in a more uh, sort of corporate setting, but yeah. um, it got me here. So great. Um, so unfortunately, we don't have the aid of visuals, you know, PowerPoint or something, sure. but, you know, sure. to describe it very, you know, broadly, the house in Pelham is this, and stop me if I'm wrong, like this big stucco arts and crafts style home from 1905, right? Correct. Yes, correct. Yeah. And it was it was interesting because it was right around the corner from my personal home at the time. Um, we had been in a previous home for about four or five years um, that we'd also renovated. And uh, so I'd see this house all the all the time. And I, I knew that the owners had been there for many, many years. I think they had lived in the home for about 40 years. Wow. Um, and I'd never been inside from the outside you know, the yard was very overgrown. Um, I mean, you could tell it was a big, beautiful home, but but it definitely looked like it needed some love. Right, um, there are these like big arched windows. I mean, so many pretty interior architectural elements, like the, those big arched windows, the stained glass, the fireplaces. Um, exactly. So you knew it was gonna be a project, obviously, when you- Oh yes, 100%. When we went in for the first, I mean, I'm pretty decisive with these things and I have a, between the, the architecture, design, uh, real estate background, I, I can kind of see something and know pretty quickly um, if it's gonna be a great investment, if it's gonna be a money pit, um, you never really know, but I have a pretty good sixth sense for that. Um, so went in there and it was really, it was unique and it was, it had clearly been very well maintained, mm -hmm. um, which is really important. I mean, I think especially when you're looking at older homes, getting a really good inspection, taking it a step beyond just sort of your standard inspection and having, you know, plumber come in, roofer, whatever, whatever is sort of standing out as a potential red flag. I think doing that due diligence is so important. Yeah. Um, so I could see that it had been very well maintained in terms of the infrastructure, um, but there were asked, and, and most of the original details were intact, which is also pretty unique. Right. Um, so it was, you know, you could tell it was a project, but you could tell it was worth the project. What were the real priorities? Like what absolutely had to change? I mean, I think the main thing, and this is also not uncommon in older homes, um, mm. one whole side of the house basically over the kitchen had uh, originally been used as probably the staff quarters um, in the house. So there was a back stair that came down from four very small bedrooms um, to very small bathrooms um, into a kitchen that was pretty large, but had been laid out. I mean, the last time I think the kitchen had been renovated was probably 19, in the 1950s. Um, yeah, it was, it was unique. Um, and so it was just for, for a young family, um, it was a you know relatively sizable home, about five thousand square feet. Uh, at the time, it was like technically seven bedrooms, mm -hmm. um, but it was just really unclear. You know, it was just very unworkable. The, the right. situation on that side of the house was just unworkable, um, and it was clear that something needed to change. Um, so you bought the house in two thousand nineteen, right? I did. Yeah, bought the house. So we bought the house. Uh, I think we. We went into contract probably in September of 2019. Um, 
I sort of knocked out the plans. I could, I had a pretty clear vision from the start, uh, yeah. knocked out the plans, got the contractors all lined up. Um, you know, the previous owners needed a little bit of time to, to, you know, they've been there for 40 years, so they needed a little bit of time to, to get themselves packed up. And, um, so we didn't close until about December, but it was great because that gave us time to get ourselves organized and really be ready um, right. to go once we were able to you know, be in the house. Um, we knew that we were planning to to stay and then move into the home at the end of February of 2020. Okay. Obviously, having obviously having no idea what was what was coming, um, and we had a pretty clear plan. And so it was good in the sense that we knew we were going to be in the home under construction for a period of time. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it, it seemed like it was it, you know we've done it before. Um, it's something yeah. that I do not encourage my clients. Um, to do if you can help it. Um, but, but it seemed like it was going to be okay. Um, so of course we moved in, you know, at the end of 2020, uh, thankfully we had appliances, um, which I'm sure you may have heard that, um, with some of your other guests, appliances have definitely been a, a challenging, um, space within the design and construction industry in terms of lead times. Thankfully we had those, but, uh, no functioning sink, no cut functioning kitchen sink, um, one very small bathroom and a variety of spaces that were not finished. Well, um, right. So, so people, you know, are super wary of, like you just said, just sort of renovating while you're living in the home at the same time. Um, you know, does it get, have you, from all of the work you've seen and work, you know, the projects you've been on, does it get any worse than being, you know, in the middle of a pandemic shutdown, construct like in construction. Yeah, I mean, it does. It can always get worse. Um, I try to, I try to be a glass full uh, sort of person. I mean, it was certainly many, many times my husband and I said to each other, you know, this is a first world problem. We have running water. We have a roof. Um, you know, like this is, it, this is not ideal. We had a three year old at the time. Um, not ideal, but but you know we we made it work. Um, but again, I do I think for people who are planning a, a relatively large renovation, whether it be like a whole home or even a part of a home, um, even a kitchen, like an area of your home that like you use every single day. Yeah, if you can budget for it making a plan to be out of the home for at least a portion of the work. I mean, you can be pretty strategic about it. And that's why we sort of made the decisions we made was that, you know, you can finish, you know, for example, refinishing floors, which is something that's very messy and disruptive, but pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's things that you can do that, um, and then get them out of the way. And then the other stuff, some of the finished work, you know, it's not so bad to be there while that's right. happening. Um, but you just have to be thoughtful about that for sure. Cause that's the horror stories you hear. A lot of that comes from, a lot of that comes from like living in the space, you right. know, and not really being prepared for that. How do you keep a project going under those circumstances? Did you have to scrap anything you planned or change course because you were renovating during shutdowns? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we did not have to really scrap anything. I think we were in, you know, we knew all of our contractors, um, you know, relatively personally. Um, mm -hmm. We were in communication. I think, you know, it was tricky because it was the beginning of the pandemic, right? So it was very, there was just so many unknowns, mm -hmm. um, which was hard. Um, you know, I think that we, we were in touch. We sort of had a plan when 
you know, the restrictions lifted, we were really thoughtful to like create a really safe environment for everybody mm -hmm. um, and make sure that that was, you know, make sure that people who were coming and felt comfortable. Some of our contractors, I think, understandably didn't didn't feel comfortable and we worked with them and understood that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it was, you know, with perseverance and like really good communication and flexibility, you can kind of, you could, you could make it happen. One of the things that was interesting, that was the hardest thing at that point in time, um, the home, the kitchen in the home had this really beautiful terracotta floor, terracotta tile floor. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't original to the home, but it had been there um, for at least 40 years yeah. um, and had like a beautiful patina. It was lovely. You know, I really wanted to work with it. Yeah. Um, but one of the challenges with something like that, especially if you're moving walls around, you know, which we had to do a lot of for the kitchen, um, you know, you need to kind of, you need to sort of fill in the spaces where you've removed walls and um, it became incredibly challenging to find this tile to replace, you know, if, if we needed to find something that was going to be a really good match. And it was so hard to do because nobody was in their showrooms. No one was in their warehouses. Mm -hmm. um, and the universe, our, our of all people, our plumbing supplier somehow found with literally down to the tile, the, the exact amount we needed in some <laughs> warehouse somewhere and got it to us. So that told me like sometimes when that happens, like the universe is at my side. <laughs> right. That's an okay, intervention but, from a higher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think with perseverance and just trying to kind of keep a level head, you could usually, you could usually get through most of those things. Um, could you describe the most dramatic change once everything was done? Yeah, I mean, I think back to that area of the home, you know, over the kitchen, mm -hmm. there was this back stair, there was these, you know, it was all sort of interconnected. Yeah. Um, it was great in the sense that at the end of the day, it didn't really take that much of an intervention mm -hmm. to, to really change the way it functioned um, in a really significant way. I mean, we were basically able to, the home had like a really beautiful central staircase. Yeah. Sometimes in older homes, they're sort of sprawling. So it makes sense to like really keep that back stair right. um, for our purposes. Um, and again, just the way that that particular house laid out, we, we thought, well, we don't really need this. And it's taking up really valuable real estate. Yeah. Let's take this out. We were able to completely reconfigure the kitchen in a way that got we got so much out of the space when it was complete. Um, and then also we were able to kind of combine those, those bedrooms upstairs and shift a couple things here, you know, shift a couple walls here and there yeah. to the point where we were able to get a really nice primary suite um, mm -hmm. and a really nice guest suite with like new bathrooms and like a five fixture bathroom. I mean, it was, it really, um, it required some finesse for sure, but uh, it was actually not like a huge, it didn't require a huge change and it had a huge impact on the, the way that the house functioned and felt. Right. When we were putting those um, before and after pictures together for the article, the the difference, I mean, you, we couldn't even tell that the kitchen could possibly have been the same space because it yes, no. was different and also just like so dark and wallpapered mm -hmm. and had like a weird island thing coming out in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was unique. It was yeah. unique but it's gorgeous afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 we were, yes, we were able to do, we were able to really make it um, a pretty incredible space. So that was exciting. Um, so we just spoke a little bit about this, but supply chain shortages have sort of scared, I think a lot of people and 
in, into especially appliances, things like that, and also just the cost of things rising so rapidly in recent years. So I guess how big of an issue currently that you've seen with clients are, are is the supply chain? Are, are things still getting delayed? Um, it's definitely leveled out. I think that like, uh, like top of the line appliances continue mm -hmm. to be an area where the lead times are certainly longer than they were pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, they've certainly improved, but you know, it still can take a year um, <laughs> to get a top of the line refrigerator, right? I mean, I think there was just so much demand, um, you know, mixed with the labor shortages and material shortages, you know, it just, it just sort of created that perfect storm, right? So um, I think it's leveled out. I mean, in talking to our builders, I think that the, the pricing of building materials, again, like things cost, some, certain things cost more than they did pre-pandemic, yeah. but we're not seeing like the fluctuations that we were seeing, um, which is, is helpful. I mean, I think the really, the hardest thing in terms of the sort of financial impacts of the supply chain, but then also the kind of like project management aspects mm -hmm. were that it was so, so hard for vendors to be able to give like an accurate assessment of when something was gonna show up, right? So, you know, while on the one hand you would say, well, it's, you know, it's okay if, if we know it's not coming for 30 weeks or whatever, we can plan for that. Um, right. The problem is, you know, it wouldn't come for 35 weeks and then 40 weeks and then, you know, and I think that that's the thing that can become um, challenging. So, yeah, I think it's, it's certainly not back to what it was pre-pandemic, but it's mm -hmm. definitely, it's definitely calmed down. I imagine. So how about, you know, hand in hand is that is the labor shortage, right? Has that also yeah. sort of leveled off to some extent? Yeah, I mean, I think so. We primarily work in the tri-state area. Mm -hmm. um, we have we have other projects sort of across the country, but like predominantly we're in the tri-state area. And I would say that like there's it's again definitely better than it was. I think there was so much demand that it's going to take a little while for that to like work through the system, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that like there's also the other thing I would say that we're still seeing a bit of, which is challenging is sort of quality control issues, not necessarily like on, not on site with like our building partners, but you know, just with vendors and things like that. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that we've really been uh, recommending on our projects is to, well, it requires a little bit of an extra investment. We're basically ordering things as design decisions are made uh -huh. and we're having them stored in our receiving warehouses. Um, even if that means that we're paying for a few extra months of storage, having that, <laughs> having that, knowing that it's correct, if it's not correct for some reason, um, or it comes damaged or it's not the right product, we can address that like before it's needed on site. Right. Um, so I think that's something we'll probably continue to do even as things, um, even as things get even better. Um, it's just sort of an insurance policy. Right. That's, that makes sense. Um, so we've talked a lot with real estate agents over the past, you know, three years or so that no one is willing to buy a fixer upper. Obviously you're an mm -hmm. exception, <laughs> but <laughs> people really want, they've wanted for a while now, something move-in ready. They don't want to deal with, yeah. with the renovation. So has that unwillingness changed? Are you sensing a change in that, in that, you know, sentiment? Yeah, I mean, I think that like, I think the main thing, right, there's two issues. One, which I, I'm sure you've heard a lot about, you have, you know, you talk about it all the time. I mean, one is that, again, especially in the tri-state area, 
there's a major inventory shortage. So right. like, there's just not, there's just not, um, there's not a ton of move-in ready homes, you know, at least in this part of the world. Um, and I think that combined with interest rates going up, I think it's definitely made people sort of rethink that mentality. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's, I think that with the right, I mean, obviously I'm biased, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, an architect and design professional, but I think that with the right team um, mm -hmm. supporting you, I think that, you know, in many ways, it's almost a better, if you can do it, if you can not necessarily have to live through it. Um, I think that at the end of it, you get a home that's really custom for you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that it's, it's not a super easy thing to do. It takes time. Um, there's certainly headaches that come with it. It's not a perfect process, but I think at the end of it, it can be really rewarding and you can end up with a better, with a better outcome at the end, you know, for the long term for, for, you know, people in the families. Um, if you can't buy a new home because of inventory or affordability or whatever it might be, what are some common pressure points that can be fixed with a renovation? Yeah. I mean, there's many, I mean, I think that, uh, the easiest are cosmetic changes, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, changing paint colors or finishing floors or placing tile. Um, those are all like relatively easy things to do, both in terms of the, the cost um, investment and also in terms of time. I mean, sometimes I think when people are looking at homes, it can be really hard to see through, um, like for example, a room that's painted the color that you don't love, you know, or that that's really dark or, you know, really yellow or who knows, right? Um, I think that can be hard, but those are things that are pretty easy to, to fix um, and can have a huge impact. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I also think we talked about kitchens. I mean, I think kitchens are can be a really big pain point and a really big opportunity, especially for young families. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, having a really beautiful, super functional kitchen can exponentially improve um, a family's quality of life. Um, that's not an inexpensive thing to do, um, but it has a huge impact. Um, and then, yeah, I think the last thing, just like I was saying, I mean, I think that I, what I really enjoy is going in and seeing these opportunities to like sort of optimize the flow of a home, like change that floor plan a little bit. Um, it doesn't have to be like taking out structural walls and, you know, a bunch of complicated stuff. It's just, it's really being thoughtful about how the flow could work better and how it could work for you know, that particular client's needs. We always talk about flow and I feel like, you know, how would you define it? What, what sort of, what is sort of a common way that that flow improves in a house from a, like an actual tangible perspective? Sure. Well, I mean, I think it's a lot of it's really personal, right? I think mm -hmm. that um, the whole, the whole sort of debate between like open floor plan versus mm -hmm. not, um, right. you know, I think different people, and I see this every day, like it's some of these things, there's like a 50, 50 split and the sort of client feedback I get, um, you know, it really is just so personal. So, I mean, to me, it's really about digging in, um, you know, for myself or for, with our clients to like really understand how they live, like, what are their aspirations? What do they feel like is missing? And then it's about, you know, making sure that like the adjacency of the spaces is right. Like, you know, you've got the right program, you know, the kitchens next to this, you know, sort of plus space where your kids are going to be doing homework or, you know, you don't want to dine, you don't want a formal dining room or you do, you know, I think it's, it's sort of understanding what that program is and then really um, figuring out the right way to like achieve it in that floor plan.
Right. Okay. Are you uh, dining? Are you pro dining room or anti formal dining room? Oh, it, it it really depends. Like again, it depends so much. I personally have a, a dining room, a formal dining room. Um, I think it just just, but I also use it for various other things. You know, I think I think multi purpose. I mm -hmm. think having spaces that can kind of operate in different ways um, throughout your day or throughout your week. I think that that's the thing that's the most valuable. Um, there's this idea of building equity, uh, through a renovation. Um, have you found that the, there is a real financial payoff to doing these kinds of renovations in terms of the value of a home, or is it really for the person living there to enjoy that home more? It really depends. I mean, this was a really unique, this particular house we're talking about was like a very unique situation, right? Yeah. We obviously had no idea what the market was going to do. Right. Um, <laughs> Obviously, the market changed drastically, probably the most it's ever changed, maybe ever. Um, yeah. You know, I think that you really, again, I've, I've actually started doing walkthroughs with some of my uh, real estate brokerage partners with some of their clients, like when, when the situation sort of needs it, to, to look at a home and really understand, like, is this going to be a good investment? Like, how much work do we need to do here? What is that work, at least conceptually? Right. Um, because it really depends. I mean, like I said, this home, this particular home, like I could see that like, I mean, it was not inexpensive, but I could see that like, you know, by putting in a certain amount of work, we would, regardless of the market, definitely like exceed that value of the home, right? right. Um, you know, but it, it just, it's a little bit case by case. So you do have to be, you have to be thoughtful about that, um, you know, as you're looking at properties. This may be a similar question, but you talked in the beginning about having a good sense, a good sixth sense for something not being a money pit. <laughs> how do you give us your sixth sense? I mean, what, how do you know something yeah. not going to drag you under? Well, again, I mean, I, again, this house, we knew a few things with this house that are sort of good examples. Like we, we knew that there was no air conditioning and had the original radiator. I mean, I, I, I do love radiators and radiant heat, but like, you know, there was no air conditioning. Mm -hmm. It had the original like knob and tube um, electrical wiring basically throughout the entire house. Mm -hmm. um, so we sort of knew going into it <laughs> that that was that was going to be that was going to be you know a chunk of what we were planning to spend. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thankfully, the roof was in good shape, so you can kind of see it. Really, it, you look at it, and, and again, I mean, I think part of the reason that some of my my real estate collaborators have been in, gauging me to come and sort of walk through this is that it's not always super straightforward. You need to kind of see it and, and there's just so many different variables. But yeah, I think when you see any structural issues, like yeah. things that are integral to the house, like that is, I, I steer clear of that because okay. it's a lot of, it's a lot of money you're going to spend on things you don't see, um, mm -hmm. which, which is never fun. Um, what are some projects you're working on now? Yeah, we've got a couple of great things going. We've got um, just wrapping up actually a ground up home um, in Reading, Connecticut, a pretty large custom home in Reading, Connecticut, um, which was done almost entirely through the pandemic. <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was an adventure, um, uh, but it's, it's getting there. It's almost done, which is great. Um, we have a few really nice uh, renovation, hold home renovations in Fairfield and Westchester counties and actually just started um, a really beautiful historic residence in uh, the old town neighborhood of Alexandria, Virginia. So, oh, wow, that sounds yeah. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. Are you renovating a personal home right now or are you not? 
Uh, that's a whole nother story. We renovated, it's done. We renovated another, we ended up moving, um, which I think we noted in the, in the yeah. article, um, not too soon after that. And uh, we, we renovated a whole nother home um, <laughs> in Connecticut after this one, but this one was, was a little easier, so. Was that also a hundred year old kind of thing? No, no, this was my first, uh, it was built in 1990, which is usually wow. not my, usually not usually not where I had, but uh, there was a lot of things about this property that, that made it worth it. So that was a fun challenge. It's good to know that you can find, you know, gems of all ages <laughs> yes well and you can it, it was this house this latest house was great because it really taught me how to like bring character into a home that maybe um you know didn't didn't have so much of it that's a whole other skill set that's a whole other baron's live conversation <laughs> it's a whole another conversation exactly exactly great okay well thank you lisa so much for joining us for baron's live today oh thank you so much for having me becky i really enjoyed it and thank you to our audience for tuning in. Um, oh, wait, I just got an audience question. Well, that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll close out the episode. Um, okay. For the audience, please join us again on Monday uh, when Barron's Senior Managing Editor Lauren R. Rublin and Deputy Editor Ben Levison speak with Rick Reeder, Senior Managing Director at BlackRock, on the outlook for financial markets, industry sectors, and individual stocks. Thank you for listening. Be well and have a great weekend. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.